Thank you for taking the time to listen to the sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this, you are challenged by the Word of God, you are built up in love, and that you are drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. We want to remind you, this is never meant to substitute God's good plan for you to be present in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus. The title of our message today is, Is This Love? Is This Love That I'm Feeling? And we're going to be looking at Ruth 3, verses 1 to 8. And that word love really captures a lot of what's going on in this passage, there's, there's a whole lot of people behaving in loving ways. Now, something that my family does every year is we gather together money and barrels and we get it all ready to send back home to our family in Jamaica. It's just a, just a regular Christmas thing. They expect it. If they, it doesn't show up, there's phone calls, all that sort of stuff. And it's just an easy way for us to do things for everybody back home, because there are some things that we just get easy here, but in St. Thomas, where I'm from, the real countryside of Jamaica, things aren't that easy. So we send stuff back home, and a couple weeks back, I was in my office, and one of my friends, he walks in, and he just hands me this envelope, and on the envelope, it said, for your family back home, and it was, a, it was just an envelope full of money, like we had just kind of shared back and forth some stuff that we do, and he just kind of came out of nowhere and just handed it to me. He, this was an act of love. And he did it without any obligation. No obligation. Here's the definition of obligation. An act of, or course of action which a person is bound to do. So it speaks of this idea of duty and commitment. They, my friend here did this and he had no duty. He wasn't bound to do it. And what we see here is a whole bunch of people in Ruth chapter 3 doing things without obligation. Here's the main thing I want us to take away, our big takeaway. Love and kindness is displayed when we act without obligation. It's, it's completely displayed beautifully when people are doing things without obligation. Naomi, Ruth, Boaz, in this chapter, doing things and they're not obligated to do it. And they're doing it, and in doing it, what they do is they reflect the kind heart of God. That's what's going on. They, they have been affected by God's kindness, and now God's kindness is flowing from their lives. And my aim today, my pastoral aim in the message, is I want us to see these people doing things without obligation, being kind, and then as a church, I want us to turn around and live like that. I want us to see it, and then I want us to do it. So chapter 3, verse 1 says, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Naomi here shows her concern for Ruth. See, some time has passed. Some time has passed between the end of chapter 2 and chapter 3. The time that's passed is actually seven weeks. So in chapter three, uh, 2, it says, she, in verse 23, she kept close to 
uh, the young women of Boaz, gleaning until, until the end of the barley and the wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. So she, for seven weeks, she was going to work, going to work, going home, going to work, going home. That's what she's been doing. And nothing's happened between her and Boaz. Now, this gap that I'm showing you between the chapters here in Scripture, it's actually important because it helps us to know how to read the Bible well. See, when I became a Christian, I used to read my Bible like this. Maybe you did. Chapter 1, Sunday. Chapter 2, Monday. Chapter 3, Tuesday. You just, you kind of, you read it like that, but... That's not how scripture works. Sometimes between a chapter, there's months, even years. And I'm telling you that because it actually teaches us to realize that sometimes the thing that God works out in a person's life, in a person's life that we see, it takes a long time. Right? You read Joseph's story. He was in jail for two years. You almost miss that detail. When you, he's at the end, and he's like, God worked it all for good. His providence was great, but he was in prison for two years. He got forgotten about. And it's good for us to know that that, because God works the same way now. Sometimes the thing that God is going to do in your life, it takes a long time. And so it teaches us to have patience and to trust the providence of God over our lives. And so she says, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you? Here you see her taking the initiative. In the NIV it says, should I not try to find a home that you will be provided for? It's initiative. She's working on her behalf. Naomi seeks the welfare of a vulnerable daughter. It's the welfare being looked after of a vulnerable daughter. This word rest is actually the word manoa. It means tranquility. It means repose. It means security. She wants her best. Naomi's attitude, do you notice it? It's completely different. Now again, remember, what, how did she, she start? Bitter angry, frustrated, couldn't even really see Ruth all that clearly like she should. But Naomi's completely changed. Why? Because she's seeing God clearly. Remember, again, it's always good for us when we're reading Scripture to not forget what we've read before. Right? In the previous chapter, she said God is being kind. And now she's, her heart is completely changed. And she is now seeing God clearly. She's seeing Ruth clearly. And now she sees a future with hope. Here is a powerful reminder of the way God can change a heart. That you think of the most bitter, frustrated person that you know in your life right now. They don't, they don't like the Lord. They can't stand God. But don't lose fact that God can change that heart. And so you pray them into this, this spot where they see the Lord clearly so they can be transformed. Like a, like a fireman in front of a burning building. Naomi takes the initiative. She jumps into action. Look at verse 2. She says, Is not Boaz our relative with whose young men you, uh, you, you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. She's like, tonight there's an opportunity. He's going to be alone. Wash, therefore, anoint yourself and put on your cloak. Go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies and go and uncover his feet and lie down. And, then, and he will tell you what to do. And Ruth said, and she replied, all that you say, I will do. Again, Naomi's like, there's an opportunity. Tonight, the brother's going to be by himself. We can't miss this. 
And then she gives some real clear instructions. She says, babe, put on your best dress, make sure you smell sweet, and go see him. Go down. Now, some people are like, is, she, is, is Naomi right now trying to get Ruth to seduce Boaz, right? I think, I totally don't think that's what's going on. Here's why. Kay Lawson Younger says this. It's coming up. There it is. The most likely explanation of Naomi's instruction is that, is that they mean that Ruth should end her period of mourning. Remember, she has lost her husband. Died, right? So she's a widow. She's mourning that. And signal her return to normal activities and the desires of life, which, of course, would include marriage. This change in appearance with its symbolic meaning would indicate to Boaz, I love this, her availability. There's more. And the seriousness of her intentions. It's just making it clear. I'm interested. I am available. She says, lie down and uncover his feet. This was a nonverbal request for marriage. That's what's going on here. See, Naomi, what she's doing is she is thinking about the future of her daughter-in-law. She's thinking, she knows, I'm not going to be here forever. And she's come back with me from her home country, and she's here. And if I die, she's going to be all by herself. She's thinking about life for her after she is gone. She's thinking about her future. Naomi here teaches us to seek the welfare of the people in your life, family members. To actually consider what life would be like for them when you are gone. And so to do things to make sure that they're set up well for the future. It also teaches us to take the initiative when there's an opportunity in front of us. We've been talking the whole time in this series about the providence of God, the providence of God, and that God is, pro is in control of everything, and that is true, and it's good. But knowing that God is in control, knowing in the providence that providence is real, does not mean we become passive. When there's an opportunity in front of us, we step right into it, trusting that it's God bringing it to us. We take the initiative. We don't become passive. And then the other thing, Shay pointed this out to me when we were talking this week. When you prioritize the good of others, you benefit. Naomi is going to benefit from this. When she's holding that little boy in chapter 4, she benefits. And then Ruth says, all, verse 5, that you say, I will do. Now, you got to understand, there's a ton of risk in that statement. She doesn't know what Boaz will do. Has no idea how he'll respond. She does not know if somebody will see her and think ill of her. But she's like, I'm going. It's, she embraces risk. Verse 6 says, so she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over. And behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wing over your servant, for you are a redeemer. So Boaz is 
threshing. He's at the threshing floor, working. Here's a picture. This is how you would sort of thresh grain. You sort of throw it up in the air. There should be a second slide that kind of gives a more detailed explanation of it, the threshing winnowing process. So you throw the mixture of chaff and straw and grain in the wind, and then the the, the chaff and, and straw would sort of blow away. That's the stuff you don't want. And then the kernels of grain would fall back to the threshing floor. So he's been doing this, working hard all day. And so he's gone through the process. And then he said, it says he enjoys some good food, something nice to drink. And then he lays down. Now this phrase here that his heart was merry does not mean that Boaz got drunk. It's a, it's a way to say that he was satisfied. He, he, he went to sleep, a deep sleep, with a, with a merry, contented heart. And then Ruth makes her move. She makes her move. What you have here is that Ruth is showing loyalty to a hopeful mother. She's showing loyalty with this move to a hopeful mother. It says that Ruth goes in and she uncovers his feet. Now, I want you to notice that Ruth actually does more than Naomi told her to do. Naomi said, go down, wait, uncover his feet, and then he will tell you what to do. But Ruth tells him what to do. She goes way beyond. She says in verse 9, I am your servant. Spread your wing." Over your servant, for you are, I love that, wing. I just love that. For you are a redeemer. Now, I read it that way because I want you to notice something. Because every time I preach, and whoever's up here, whether it's me or Shay or Jermaine or Pastor Dennis, I want us to understand and see things in Scripture. It helps us to read the Bible. Notice that she uses the word servant twice. She says, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wing over your servant. Now, she uses the word servant. If you go back to chapter 2, verse 13, she calls herself a servant. But the word she uses there is different. The word there is sifa. The word she uses here in chapter 3, verse 9 is ama. It speaks of needing protection. It speaks of weakness. It speaks of attractiveness. Ruth being real clear. She's, again, she's not playing games. The, the word wing here is kanap. Now, the, the hem of a man's clothes was actually, his cloak was called the wing. And so that's why the NIV translates this, spread the corner of your garment over me. She's saying, Boaz, I know you woke up shivering, but you're not the only one shivering. She's saying, cover me. This is a request. She's saying, marry me. She's saying, be the answer to your own prayer. Again, Ruth's not playing games. She's like Bob Marley. She's throwing her cards on the brother's table. She's like, here I am. She embraces vulnerability. See, some people in life don't get any of the help that they need because they refuse to do this. They refuse to be a vulnerable person, to open up and show weakness. What Ruth also does shows that it's more than okay 
for a woman to take the lead if she's interested in a man. Just to let him know. There's nothing wrong with that. She makes a humble request. And then she gives the grounds for the request. She says, for you are a redeemer. Ruth here, what she does is she shows the non-Christian what they can do with Jesus. They, you can look to Jesus and you can say, cover me. You can, through prayer, invite Jesus to cover you, non-Christian, and do it because he will. He will cover you with his righteousness. Jesus will take your life. He will take you and cover all of your shame if you believe and trust the gospel and turn to him in faith. Verse 10 says, and he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made the last kindness greater than the first. In that, you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. Boaz uses that word again, kindness, is the word hesed. We've been talking about it all through this series. It means loyalty, faithful, faithful love. He says that, Ruth, what you've done is is kindness. Boaz is excited. He's like a kid at Christmas. He can't believe this is happening. The first kindness was coming back when she came back with Naomi. That was kind. The second kindness is asking him to marry her. See, Ruth is not obligated to do this. She's actually a free agent. And he says it. You didn't go after men, young, whether young or rich. She could have gone after anyone she wanted. And the fact that he keeps calling her daughter actually tells you the gap between their ages. You got to think, Boaz is related to Elimelech. That's the dad of the brothers. And so there's a, there's a gap in between them, a pretty big one. But Ruth is being kind, he says, by asking him. Verse 11 says, and now my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. This is an easy answer for him. He's like, calm down. I'm going to take care of business. This is easy. Why? Verse 11. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. He's like, Ruth, word's out on you. Word on the street is you are worthy, a substantial woman of character. This is an easy answer. And then then he gets very specific. And now it's true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you, good. Let him do it. But, but, if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until morning. Boaz here commits to marry a worthy woman. Commits to marry a worthy woman. So Boaz is going to do this. He commits. But notice he's not going to skip the process. So I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it the right way. He says, there is a redeemer nearer than I. So Boaz isn't going to go do this thing without giving this other guy his chance. There's a way things are to be done. This is so important. Boaz is willing to give up what he wants to do what is right. 
He wants her. But he's like, I want to do what is right more than anything else. Think about how important that is when it comes to temptation. Your flesh is saying, you want this, you want this, you want this, you need this, you need this. Go after this, do this. In the moment of temptation, this is the decision we face. Will I give up what my flesh wants in order to do what is right, to honor God and what he has done in my life? When temptation comes up, that's the, that's the question in front of us. Will I do what is right and give up what my flesh wants, trusting that God is going to bring that thing to me when the timing is right? What this does here is it highlights the character and integrity of Boaz, a man of integrity. Here's Boaz the man. Just He's committed to do what is honorable. Commits to do what is honorable. He trusts God's sovereign providence over his life. You gotta understand this. Boaz has been a single man for years. Unmarried, older bachelor. And the possibility is right in front of him, but he refuses to take things into his own hands. He says, I'm going to trust the providence of God over my life. If he wants this for me, it's going to happen, but i got to do things the right way. Then he looks to the interests of others. Again, he owes this guy that hasn't even showed up yet nothing. And when you get to chapter 4, do you know what he's called? His name's not even mentioned. He's called Mr. So-and-so. And he commits to look to that guy's interest. He obeys the word of God. There is a process. And he's following it. He sets a good example. Think about this. He is showing a foreigner what it looks like to live as a true follower of Jesus Christ. How to follow God. Again, foreigner. But he sets a great example in front of her. There's a way things are to be done. We get that opportunity all the time when we live and move around unbelievers. To set a solid example. Boaz, the man, reminds me of Jesus, the ultimate worthy man. Let's get a look at him. Jesus did what was honorable. When people would ignore women, Jesus spoke to them. Right? When, in John 4, when his disciples show up, they're marveled, the text says, but it's because he's talking to a woman. They can't believe it. And treating her with dignity and respect. He, he, he touches the, the leper. He helps the poor. Jesus lived this honorable life. Jesus trusted God's plan over his life. Not my will, but yours be done. Jesus considered the interests of others. Philippians 2. Our interests. He says they are in need. And without obligation, he comes and gives himself. Jesus obeys his Father's word. I have not come down to do my will, but the will of my Father who sent me. And Jesus sets the, a perfect example for us. Boaz reminds us of the, the God-man, Jesus Christ, the truly and ultimately worthy man. Verse 13, he says, as the Lord lives. As the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Boaz is like, if this brother passes on this, I will not. The I in this verse is actually in the emphatic. He's like, I will redeem you. He is calming her. Don't sleep on Boaz. He's going to go get this done. 
verse 14, he says, So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, Let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it out and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. Now, Boaz gives instructions here. From verse 13 all the way to 15, he gives some instructions. And there's some really important things that he does here that we can't miss. First, when he says, remain tonight, he's actually looking out for her safety. Again, context. Days of the judges, not safe for women. And so if he lets her go home in the dark of night, she could get harmed. And so he says, remain tonight. So he protects her safety. Then Boaz causes no temptation. And you're like, where are you getting that, Marv? How are you finding that? Well, just write in the text by what he says. He says, Lay down until morning. Now, that word lie, it's a very important word. And the word, when he says remain, again, same, similar word. It's the word for lodge. Boaz is making sure he doesn't use the word sleep. Because he does not want to cause any temptation with the words that come out of his mouth. He's being very intentional in how he speaks because he's like, I, wanna, I want to do things with integrity. Again, there is a process and Boaz is following it. Now, here's a good word for people who are dating and engaged. Don't rush the process. Commitment before intimacy. And I know it's hard. Trust me, I remember those days with Kim. You're so close to the finish line. But don't rush the process. You want to be able to stand there on that day feeling like we did things the right way. We honored the Lord in this relationship. And we are looking forward to the, what's coming next. But there's a process. Honor the process. And then he cared about her reputation. He says, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. Now, when you read that, it sounds like he's talking out loud, but he's not. He's actually just... Thinking it. The Holy Spirit actually shows us what's in his head. And so Boaz is like, I don't want anybody to think ill of Ruth. I don't want anybody to see her in a way, in a light that she, she shouldn't be in. And so he protects her. He makes sure that, that she is not seen because he wants to protect her reputation. And then he cared about her family. You're like, how do you know? He gave her something to take home. He gave her food. It was a gift for her and for Naomi. What you have here is a man who is intentional, he's wise, he's kind, he's generous, and he's full of integrity. Let me say them again. Intentional, because they're important. Wise, generous, full of integrity. Now, like Beyonce, I want to talk to all my single ladies. Listen to me on this. This is important. If you are dating someone or come to the point of dating someone and you don't see those kinds of things in the dating process, do not expect them in the marriage process. Let me say it again because it's important. If, you, if you're with a brother and you don't see those things, move on. 
Because those things are reflection of character. And you can't teach character. You either have it or you don't. And so it's time to say peace to you. We are going, my, my mom would say, it's later for you. We're going in a different direction. Because it's not going to show up later. And I also want to say this to married men. Boaz models for us how to behave, married and single men. If you want a, a lady to trust you and to trust your leadership and walk with you and follow you, those things are what we are to do, what we are to strive for. To protect those, a daughter. Remember, she keeps getting called daughter. And every time you, the Lord, brings a woman into a man's life, God is saying, I am giving you one of my daughters, and you better not mess this up. This is not a joke. You look after her. You protect her. And that is what he is doing. Boaz shows the single lady who may be dating someone or about to date someone, and we're all single until we're married, really what to look for. And those who are in committed relationships, married men, single men, how to behave. Verse 16 says, and when she came, her mother-in-law said, how did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, these six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, you must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. Again, he's thinking about her. Thinking about the mother, cares about the family. This is a gift. This gift actually signals to Naomi that Boaz is going to do good. It's a signal saying, I'm going to take care of business. Again, another intentional act in another providential meeting. God orchestrated all of this and Boaz is saying, I got this. Verse 13, she replied, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. The word empty in the text, very important. The same word used in chapter 1, verse 21, when she came back and said, the Lord has brought me back empty. Again, we get this reminder, not true. She came back with Ruth, and the author, what he's doing right now is saying to us, Naomi's empty days are over. And so she says, wait. The literal translation of this should be, sit tight. Boaz won't rest. He is a man who can be trusted. He gave you his word, he's going to keep his word. He will settle the matter today. And like a visit to the doctor's office, Ruth has to wait a bit. She has to wait. And we share this in common with her, this waiting. All of us have something that we are waiting on God to do, to settle. And this just feels like a year where so many things are unsettled. Don't you feel that? You watch, you watch the news, you watch what's going on, it just all feels unsettled. What, what's going to happen in like two weeks? What's going to happen when they, you know, sort of roll out vaccines, all those kinds? Of, it just feels so unsettled. It just feels like a year that's so shaky. And there's so many things that are unsettled in our life, yet there are so many things that are settled, though, for the believer. Here are some settled matters in our life. Our salvation is secure. That's settled. 
Jesus says, we are in his hand, and no one will snatch us from his hand. Our struggle with sin can be overcome. How? The Spirit is living in us. Who gives me power to overcome. Our access to the Father has been granted. Prayer. We always have access to the Father. I'm confused. I'm struggling. Should I, maybe, should I walk from this? Should I not? Prayer. Access to the Father. Our need for a good word has been satisfied. Why? Because we have the word of God. And so every day I can hear a good word. As I open the scriptures, as I discipline myself to let the voice of God roll upon me every day, I can hear and have a good word told how to walk, how to live a life that glorifies God, how to honor the Lord with my behavior. Our troubles, love talking about this one, guaranteed to end, mental and physical. I was on the phone this week, sorry, a video call this week with a, with a brother, and I just, I just felt for him, some of the struggles he's going through. And I, was, I, just, I said to him, like, I just want to always, when I talk to you, I want to go like this and change your situation. But I can't. It's a limitation that you feel regularly as a pastor. You talk to people and you sit back and you're just like, I wish I could do more than just remind you of the scriptures, even though that is powerful, pray for you. I wish I could be like the Lord and just change it. But even though that's the reality right now, it's not going to be like that forever. The mental struggles, the physical struggles are guaranteed to end. And to be honest, we are going to go through some harder days before that ends. We need to balance our talking about hope. Yes, there's hope for the future. But Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble and tribulation, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to go for a little while. But we are going to get through. Our need for community can be met. Settled matter. Why? Because as we build relationships with one another, the community grows. We can use our spiritual gifts to serve and encourage one another. We talked about that in the Relate series. We can use our spiritual gifts, our resources to serve our local community together. And I know so many of you are doing that. Shay keeps telling me this person's delivering boxes to this area and that area. And I'm like, really? But we can continue to do those things. We can use our spiritual gifts and our resources to engage in missions. Yeah, remember, the go, therefore, it talks about local, but also global. We can engage in that. And this one, so important. Our spiritual enemy has been defeated. One of the reasons why Satan fights as hard as he does is he's fighting from a position of losing. Think like a boxer, right? You know you just, you got that blow to the face and you know you got that body blow and Jesus is dropping body blows on him. And what does the boxer do? He's trying to, he's trying to land that big, that's how Satan fights. He's trying to land that one big punch because he knows he's going down. And so he's fighting a losing battle. Our spiritual enemy has been defeated. All these matters are settled. Do you know why? Do you know why they're settled? Because our Redeemer acted in love. Because like Boaz got up and said, I'm going to go take care of the matter. Jesus gets up from his throne in heaven and he comes for the saints and he says I am going to settle the matter and he has settled the matter and he's going to come again and he's going to completely settle the matter 
So we live in this like already and not yet reality. There's things that are definitely settled. And then there's things that are guaranteed to be settled. That's where we are. And that should fill us, fill us with hope. See, like Ruth, we were poor and needy. But Jesus, he doesn't hesitate to come and help. And so you're like, okay, what do we do now while we wait? Because remember, we share that in common. We are waiting like she is. What do we do? While I wait, here's what you do. You live and display love. You engage in acts of kindness. You put, we put love on display as we wait, making the lives of others better. Can we get the main idea up there again? I just want to end with this. Our big takeaway, love and kindness is displayed when we act without obligation. That is what we do now as we wait on the Lord. We live like Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for Jesus Christ, who settled so many matters in our life and promises to settle them all when he comes. I pray, Father, that you would help us to look at this word that has been spoken over us and just find, where is, where is that thing that the Lord is saying to me? What is that one thing in this word, one or two things that I just, I just need to start walking in by the power of the Spirit? Oh God, help us to do that. I pray that you would help us to be a people who display love and kindness with our actions, without obligation, Fill us with your spirit. Help us to reflect your kindness to this world, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit HopeTorontoNorth.com.